everyone. Welcome to Unchained, your no-hype resource for all things crypto. I'm your host, Laura Shin, author of The Cryptopians. I started covering crypto seven years ago, and as a senior editor at Forbes, was the first mainstream media reporter to cover cryptocurrency full-time. This is the August 16th, 2022 episode of Unchained. With the Crypto.com app, you can buy, earn, and spend crypto in one place. Download and get $25 with the code Laura. Link in the description. Harness the full power of the Avalanche Network with Core, your new Web3 command center. Built by Ava Labs, Core is more than just a wallet. It's a non-custodial browser extension engineered for users to seamlessly and securely experience Web3 like never before. Explore Avalanche dApps, NFTs, bridges, subnets, and more today. Hey, Unchained listeners. As you know, it's hard keeping up with the fast-paced world of crypto, so we've got just the thing for you. Subscribe to our free Unchained Daily Newsletter at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. You'll get the latest crypto news and original articles from our reporters, as well as summaries of other happenings and bullet points, plus our meme of the day, all curated and written by our amazing team. It's still your no-hype resource for all things crypto, just in newsletter form. Sign up at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Today's guest is Surajit Chatterjee, Chief Product Officer at Coinbase. Welcome, Surajit. Thank you for having me here, Laura. Tell us the story of how it is that you got into crypto and came to work at Coinbase. It's a, I had to go back a few years. Actually, my first introduction with crypto, of course, I read the, read the paper, uh, Bitcoin white paper and so on, but I was not really into crypto till 2016. And the story is I was working in a company in India. So I worked at Google, then moved to India for a couple of years. And I was head of product at, at a company called Flipkart, it's an e-commerce company. And what's, what was unique about the company and unique about e-commerce at that time in India was most of the payments were you know, on delivery. So you go deliver your products and people give you cash. So most of the Indian economy was, in, was cash enabled and still is. What happened in 2016 was one fine day, government just surprised everyone and announced this thing called demonetization, which meant all the existing currencies were kind of useless. And basically, you had a little bit of time within a couple of weeks. You had to go and deposit your currencies in a bank. And then you had to wait for government to print new currencies and get those currencies. And of course, as you can imagine... (laughs) That immediately tanked our business because our business was about collecting cash and people were just uh, you know, depositing their cash to banks. And it's not just our business. Like I saw you know, most of India is, is unbanked, was unbanked, it's still unbanked. Uh, government, of course, is doing a lot of work. So there's a lot of, it was a huge pain for ordinary citizens to you know, de- go open a bank account, deposit their currencies and then wait for many days sometimes to get money in, in, in small amounts. And that's when I bought my first bit, uh, cryptocurrency, my first Bitcoin, my, my Ethereum. And I, I thought, okay, there must be a better way than uh, you know, public government issued currencies. There must be a better way to run this whole monetary system. And that got me into crypto, but I was, uh, you know, I was not really playing with crypto in a big way till I joined Coinbase. And that was late 2019, early 2020. 
Yeah, I love this story because so often I'm asked by particularly like U.S. reporters, things like, what's the use for cryptocurrencies when we have credit cards and whatever? And I always say to them, oh, you should talk to people in other countries because in people in countries that don't have as good functioning financial services, they grab onto the use case for this much more quickly. So you're the chief product officer at Coinbase. And that is a company that actually really started more like a fintech company. One of its greatest early achievements was creating a credible and solid connection to the existing banking system and also making the user experience of buying crypto simple and user-friendly. But at this point, the company has over 100 million users and the crypto space has grown you know, exponentially in a number of directions. On top of that, a whole host of other companies also offer that great user experience. So at this point, what do you think sets Coinbase apart? What products would prompt customers to stay on Coinbase after they've purchased their coins? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I think of um, Coinbase as a, as a gateway to Web3, right? We started, as you said, we started with as a financial company. Uh, we allowed people to buy, sell crypto. And that was really the first step. If you want to do anything in crypto, you need tokens. But you, you know how the, the industry is emerging. We're seeing real utility, real applications being built on top of this blockchain. So my vision on product side is how do we bring a billion plus users, you know, billion first and then multiple billions to crypto and Web3? And how do we enable them to use all the applications, all the Web3 services with ease and peace of mind? I mean, I think if we do that, not just as coin business industry, we're going to bring a major portion of the GDP to come on chain. And I think that just helps create more economic freedom for everyone. And that kind of ties with, that really ties with our company's mission to create more economic freedom. So how do we do that? How do we realize that vision? You know, my mental image is of a bridge, if, if you allow me. So it's a bridge between the fiat world and the crypto world and increasingly the Web3 world with two foundational pillars on that, under that bridge. One is trust and other is ease of use. And you know, how do you build this bridge? So I, I think of you know, two ways. First, we build an integrated product suite to give our users access, both in retail and institutional users, access to what I call all the assets, all the verbs, all the apps, and all the chains. By all the assets, I mean, you know, both assets on centralized exchanges like ourselves, but also indexes, things like NFTs, things like ENS, you know, by verbs, I mean things like, you know, you can stake your asset, you can pay and uh, receive and, and you can borrow and lend and so on. All the apps means all the dApps and web three services and so on. And then the second part of this is how do we help accelerate the ecosystem by giving developers the tools they need? And that's what we are doing with on this cloud, for example, we are building tools so developers can build quickly, easily, and securely the amazing Web3 services. So that's kind of the overarching vision we have today. So for that first pillar of the bridge where you talked about giving access to these different services, that to me sounds like a custodial model, like a centralized model. Would you say that that is the vision going forward for Coinbase? No, I didn't use the word custodial actually giving access both in a custodial fashion 
and self-custodial fashion. And let me give a couple of examples. You know, Coinbase Wallet is our flagship self-custodial product. It's getting a lot of love on Twitter these days because we have invested in that product. We have made it really the best multi-chain, I believe the best multi-chain wallet out there. And of course, we have a lot of work to do still, continue to improve. Uh, the other part of this is how we are in- integrating DeFi and Web3 into our Coinbase main application as well, main app. And we are doing this through a unique innovation. Uh, you know, we worked on MPC-based, MPC technology for a long time. I'm sorry, MPC, what's that? Multi-party computation. So let me explain. So basically, we integrated this wallet called DAP Wallet into our main app. The way it works is we keep a shard of your key. You keep a shard of the key on your device. So you still, you can actually use that wallet to access any DeFi app, any Web3 app, right from within Coinbase main application. If you lose your device, we can actually restore your key because we have a shard with us. We can call our customer service and we can help you. So it basically allows mainstream users, like we have 100 million users today, verified users, to access Web3 and DeFi without worrying about managing their, their keys or you know losing devices as often happens, like losing their uh, device, losing their seed phrase and so on. So that's how we are building the bridge to Web3 through all our applications. So it's not just the self-custodied app Coinbase wallet, but through this, what I call semi-custodial wallet in our main app. Uh, as well, and even on the on institutional side, actually we are working on ways to give institutions access to DeFi because I think that's going to be the future, the innovation that that will be unleashed. We have already seen it during the DeFi summer and you know NFT um, summer and so on. Uh, we are already seeing all the innovation, and we want to make sure our users can access that innovation through every product we have. So it's not just custodial. In fact, one of the mantras we have internally is, you know, build DeFi first. So we are always thinking, okay, how can we give users access to not just first-party services that we are building, but also third-party services? So today in Coinbase main app, you can buy uh, tokens through our exchange directly. You can also buy tokens uh, on, an, on a DEX because we have done a native DEX integration. We have work, worked with DEX aggregators. So you can buy very large number of tokens directly through DEXs, again, powered by this DAP wallet that I just described. And so since crypto is constantly evolving, and as you just described, you're building out this whole suite of products that you know service different communities within crypto, You know those who would prefer a custodial experience, those who would prefer self-custodial and uh, and yet not, not be fully dependent on themselves for their own security. You know, in like maybe two or three years, what products do you think will become a bigger part of the Coinbase experience compared to right now? You always need your tokens to participate in the crypto economy. So our brokerage, our custody and exchange, I think they will continue to be important because that's the gateway. Every time we have some section of users who are doing more advanced stuff, there is like next 10 million, 100 million users who are just getting introduced. So it's like a spectrum, right? There are more users coming in who are doing basic, kind of just getting introduced to crypto, buying their first Bitcoin, and maybe they will do that on a centralized exchange. They don't know what is a DEX and so on. 
but a segment of users will start using DeFi apps. A segment of users will be even more advanced. Will use you know things like decentralized social app applications. Will use Web3 gaming. Will use NFTs and so on. So if you ask me, we'll see increasingly, and that's the hope for the whole. I would say the industry, right? Increasingly, crypto become a utility beyond just a speculative asset or or just a just an investment asset. So you know, you you buy sell crypto, but how, when it becomes a utility, it means can you use crypto every day? You know, one of the things I talk about sometimes is a toothbrush test, which is like you know you use a toothbrush in the morning and in the evening. So twice a day. So can you find those toothbrush use cases for crypto, right? And our crypto-enabled applications, right? That will be bigger and bigger for the whole industry. And I think that's good for the industry because for this industry to really succeed, really go mainstream, we have to figure out those use cases. I think NFT was a good example. We have seen it brought in a new set of users to crypto who are not really in, like traders in a traditional sense. They are collectors, right? We'll see other different types of communities, different types of users come to crypto as you, as the whole industry uh, and the community invents new types of applications and services. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would 100% agree with that because I think a lot of them are speculators too, <laughs> flipping well, their JPEGs. You know, it always starts with, <laughs> with that. I, I don't think there is anything bad with, with that. It, it's, it, it starts with that. But I think, you know, over time, we'll find we are already seeing you know, there, there are real applications. There are communities, for example, getting created who are in the token gated communities. So you get special access. Brands are doing that, have social access to events or special social kind of gatherings and so on based on the tokens you hold. Now, that's not really speculation. That, that's like a, a human behavior of forming kind of tribes and communities and social interaction. So at this point, you are trying to service kind of a range of clients. Where do you prioritize, you know, when it comes to institutional versus retail? How do you kind of think about these different segments? So we started with a, with a retail-focused offering, right? When it's still uh, the strongest part or biggest part of our business uh, at this point because we started early. Uh, we are, of course, seeing a huge momentum on our in our institutional business. You know, we just announced the BlackRock deal. It's it's a landmark deal, not just for Coinbase, but for the whole industry. And I would say it's not just the retail users and institutions; it's also the developers. That's the third segment that we cater to. I talked a little bit about Coinbase Cloud. We want to help grow this ecosystem. That's the other part. You know, again, when we grow the ecosystem, we also grow. So we're building tools to help developers build their applications faster, more secure way, you know, in a scalable way. Uh, we are building, uh, give, allowing them to access like blockchain nodes, run their own nodes, run their own validators, earn rewards, you know, do staking, uh, uh, plug in a fiat rail with Coinbase Pay and so on. So it's the three customer segments that we think about. And I would say it's a it's a flywheel. It's not one versus others. For example, with our institutional customers and retail customers, we are creating more liquidity when both of these flows come together in our exchange. Right? Institutions would love to trade 
against retail flow sometimes. And you know, more liquidity means it's better for everyone, better pricing, better execution for everyone. So that's one example. When you work with developers and help make the dApps better, for example, we can we actually help the users who are coming through Coinbase Wallet or our main app who are accessing these dApps have better experience. So it's a it's a flywheel, and that's how I think about it. It's not like one versus other. We have to kind of do all of these three things to make sure the flywheel keeps spinning. And one other group is sort of the more crypto native people who are kind of their own special segment within retail. I would bet many of them are pretty unlikely or unwilling to use a centralized exchange. So how do you think about attracting them as a customer or do you feel that's just a different segment? Yeah. So what is interesting about that segment is, by the way, we love that segment. We listen to them all the time. They're vocal on Twitter. I get a lot of product feedback from them and I think it's super helpful. I always think when you are building a product, you got to think about the power user because eventually what will happen is your regular users will kind of, it's a graduation. They'll graduate to become more and more sophisticated. And you don't want to lose that user. You want to make your product in such a way that the power users can also use it. It's it's not exactly the this segment, but one example here is how we are um, you know, combining retail advanced trading within our main app. You know, norm, I, you know, in the previously or even now, we have a separate app called Coinbase Pro where advanced traders go, and we thought, okay, you know, a lot of our regular users actually become advanced traders, and how do we bring that functionality in the main app? Now, for the crypto native, crypto forward folks, you know, some of the things that they will tell us uh, is, hey, can you make it easy for me? to on-ramp, uh, uh, create a fiat on-ramp from, uh, you know, from your bank or whatever to directly to an L2, directly to, an, uh, to another chain like Solana and so on. And because they, you know, how do they get their crypto and play into this, <laughs> this new blockchains? They have to come to some centralized exchange and first move their, move their fiat money into crypto. So we did that. We actually integrated an L2 direct on-ramp to L2 into our main app, also into Coinbase Wallet. For this segment in particular, you know, Coinbase Wallet, they, they are already using Coinbase Wallet. They're loving Coinbase Wallet. It's the most sophisticated wallet out there, a multi-chain wallet. We, uh, we actually support more than seven uh, L2s and uh, blockchains today. It's also a wallet that allows you, if you use Coinbase Wallet, you can give a, get visibility into all your tokens across all chains. You can get visibility into all your investments in any DeFi app out there, right on the homepage of our Coinbase wallet. And you know you don't need to switch wallets to play into another another chain. We are making it super easy for you to move assets between chains without needing a third-party bridge. So they are loving it. We are getting a lot of good feedback. So the idea is, yes, we want to build products for the crypto forward, crypto native folks. And I think we have made a lot of progress in the last year and a half in that direction. And, and it shows in our products. I'm sure you have seen the press coverage of this. And there, you know, unfortunately, is one area that um, I think Coinbase has seen to have failed when it comes to products for crypto natives. After initially getting 8.4 million emails waiting for the NFT product, the day of Coinbase's launch had only 150 transactions. 
And since then, trading volume has stayed relatively low. This week, the marketplace has been doing below $10,000 in volume per day versus millions of dollars worth of transactions on OpenSea and LooksRare. So what went wrong there? Let me first take a step back and uh, kind of say what happened and, and describe uh, kind of our perspective a little bit. So first, there was probably very high expectations set on a product that is very early. You know, NFT is still in beta. It's been just a few weeks. And, you know, we are, we are seeing engagement, uh, customer engagement in the, in the service. I think it's been like five months, right? Uh, it just came out of beta very recently. It's it's still very early. Uh, it's not out of beta, actually. It's still beta. I think for five months, we have made a lot of noise <laughs> early on. But actually, it was in front of the user a couple of months back. You know, I always think about technology products, you know, it often take a longer time and iterations, right? We don't expect, we try a lot of new products, don't expect them to succeed on day one. I'll tell you one Example, I was at Google and Google came up with uh, Android and the flip phone when iPhone was already there and very popular. And it, it was, uh, it was uh, like a throwback from the <laughs> 80s or 90s. Right? The, nobody wanted to use it. it. Everybody said it was terrible. And we all know what happened, like where Android is today because Google kept investing in it and was committed in, in, in it for the long term. That's what we are going to do. We, we think of NFT actually is an area that we want to commit to for the longer term and not just by Coinbase through Coinbase Marketplace. So let me kind of take, give a little bit more perspective on our overall NFT strategy, and that might be helpful. Look, you know, as I said before, we think NFT will be a huge driver for the industry as a whole, right? It represents not just art, video, music, but it's also you know, objects in gaming or metaverse, membership access to token-enabled social networks, and many other use cases. So it's, it's, it's going to be huge, and it's, it's going to bring in a lot of users. To that effect, what we are focused on is helping creators and bringing more users to creators, whether that, that, that creator or that creation is on Coinbase NFT or on OpenSea or Rarible or anywhere else. And that's what we are doing. So, you know, if you look at Coinbase wallet today, I will claim it's prop, it's the best NFT wallet out there. Users can now view NFT bids on multiple uh, marketplaces, including, you know, OpenSea and everywhere else directly from within wallet. They can access both first party and third party marketplaces through the browser that we have, Web3 browser that we have embedded within wallet. They can store their NFTs. Again, we have done, we have written our own indexers. So it's very simple. When you go and buy NFT through Coinbase Wallet, you're going to see it within seconds rather than you know, half an hour or, or longer for other wallets. And we have done the same for our main Coinbase apps. We have int- integrated a Web3 browser and MPC-based app wallet. So you can access all the NFT marketplaces in a unique way through our main app as well. So the idea is how do you bring all our users, 100 million plus users into NFT, not just into our NFT marketplace, but into any marketplace out there. Then on the creator side, uh, by the way, one more thing I want to mention, it's also not just on Coinbase, also on third parties. So we just announced this partnership with Meta 
So we, we are enabling all Instagram customers to store their NFTs using Coinbase Wallet. I mean, that's, this is a huge deal because, you know, hundreds of millions of Web2 users will get the taste of NFT for the first time. And we're happy with that. Now, that's on the user side. On the creator side, we want to help the creators to bring the, their collection to markets easily and enable them to interact with the community. And that's a feature we actually we added from day one on NFT Marketplace. They can, and we are seeing that creators are interacting directly with the users on our interface rather than on Discord or somewhere else. And recently we did this experiment, I would not say experiment, a new feature actually, introduced this concept of called drops on NFT Marketplace. So drops are like primary sales of exclusive NFT collection. And we have partnered with like top media houses, brands, prominent creators, you know, names like Bill Murray, Chai Media Group, Project Pinkman, People Pleaser. And this is what happened, Laura. So this was a new thing. We said, okay, let's try it. Let's see what happens. We, every drop so far has sold out within minutes. And that just shows the latent demand that is there on, on our platform. And we are working on how to unleash that demand, how to bring the best collection, how to enable the creators to bring their best collection to, to our platform. So that's kind of our overarching strategy. We're going to continue to invest in NFT as a category and continue to grow the ecosystem through our tools. And not, it's not just NFT marketplace through all our tools. And, and that's kind of important to realize it's not a single bit in NFT for us. So essentially, it sounds like the marketplace is not really the main uh, focus in your NFT strategy. But I'm sure you probably saw that uh, Nick Tomeno, an early Coinbase employee, tweeted that he felt this kind of social strategy for your NFT marketplace was not the right one and that really it should just be a simple fiat to NFT on-ramp. So why is it that you're not focused on something as simple as that, especially since it would play to Coinbase's strength? These two are not mutually exclusive to each other, right? We, are, we have added, uh, since we launched, for example, we integrated Coinbase Pay with Coinbase NFT. Now, Coinbase Pay actually externalizes all our fiat to crypto on-ramps. So if you're a Coinbase user, Coinbase customer, you can just log in and you can pull your crypto very easily or you can directly pull from fiat to crypto on a third-party app or including in Coinbase NFT. So we have done that. Uh, we are making it easy, easier and easier to bring Coinbase users to Coinbase NFT. But as I explained, that's not the only thing. We want to bring users to NFT, period. And you know, Coinbase NFT is one of the marketplaces. On the issue of social, I think it's still very early days. We are seeing very interesting engagement. We are learning a lot. For example, we are learning that, you know, Sometimes the comments on individual NFTs is probably not the most useful thing, but comments on like a collection is very useful. So users are commenting on overall collection. We are seeing there is interaction between the creator and the users. So users are giving feedback to the creator or having a conversation with the creator. We're also seeing interaction between multiple creators. Creators themselves are, are commenting on each other's collections but these are all new kind of behavior that is that is forming. It's a brand new concept, right? So it will, like anything else in technology, you know, people will always say, oh, that didn't work. You know, after a few years, it becomes the biggest thing. I'll say even if you look at something like podcasts, 
that 10, 12 years back, people were confused. Is this going to be a really a, kind of a media or is it just one-off thing that will die down? And today you can see, you know, we are talking in this podcast, Laura, uh, it's, a, it's a real force in, in the composition of our media today. And in fact, I consume almost all my news from podcasts rather than from mainstream channels or, or mainstream media. So yeah. we'll see behaviors emerge. We are, we are not afraid to experiment. That's another thing I'll say. Look, NFTs came out of a concept called Project 10%, where we, have, we actually fund bottom-up ideas, innovation from our employees, and we fund them very small funding. It's like seed funding, two or three engineers, um, maybe one designer, one product manager, and we see if there are green shoots. And then after a while, we, you know, we either pause the project or we fund again. It's very kind of venture kind of model internally. And that's how NFTs came up. So uh, we, and they had a unique concept, a new concept, the team. And we said, great, let's take some risk. Let's try a few things out. So we're not afraid of trying things out. And that's how innovation happens. I always think if I try out like 10 things and all 10 are successful, maybe I'm not taking enough risk, right? Uh, that's almost impossible. So Yeah, although I, I do think it was surprising to find out that only uh, 30 people were working on the NFT project considering what a large staff you had at that time. Uh, it was not even 30 people. Till uh, December, we had like six or seven people Actually. Right, which given your headcount was a little surprising uh, because NFTs obviously had been huge for quite a while. One other area that I wanted to ask about, which was also perceived as a miss by Coinbase, was the DGen trilogy. When you released part one of it, people were responding things like, the SEC should be investigating this for illegally inducing cringe. And you know, Nick Tomino also mentioned this in his tweet. There's a perception that Coinbase has lost it's touch with the crypto native part of the community or frankly doesn't even really have people like that on its staff anymore. Whereas obviously in its earlier years, it was more kind of on the cutting edge. So how do you get that back? Or, you know, if, even if you're going to say to me, you haven't lost it, then how do you change that perception? Again, I'll say we try lots of different things. So this is something our marketing team tried. Some things are more successful than others. You know, when we tried our Super Bowl ad, for example, I, I think DJs loved it. Uh, Crypto Forward folks really loved it. And it was a unique concept. This was probably that didn't hit the mark quite for many, some people. Uh, we understand that. We take the feedback and we'll go and try other things. But I think it's, it's not true that we don't have Crypto Forward folks in, the, uh, in Coinbase Today, I think if you look at the innovation we are churning out, it would not be possible without crypto forward folks. You know, we are the first company I just talked about building this very unique MPC based wallet, right? A semi custodial wallet. You probably, I don't know if you follow Pete Kim or, or others. Uh, you know, he has talked about it. He's, he's one of the engineers I respect a lot. There are many other people like that. You know, we are building um, this. Uh, you know, interoperability bridges between multiple blockchains, that would not be possible without people uh, knowing crypto very deeply and being embedded into the ecosystem. So I don't think that is right. Of course, many people will have many opinions. We respect that. We take that feedback. 
when some everything will not hit 100% because we try a lot of different things. We are a more diversified company now, not just building one product. And that's a very deliberate choice. We're a multi-product company. I talked about, you know, how we are creating this flywheel between, you know, multiple customer segments, how we are building products for each one of them. But overall, I I'm, I think we are uh, doing re- pretty well. We are seeing our customers love us and even a lot of DJs love us. Uh, but today, I mean, Coinbase Wallet, some of the feedback on Coinbase Wallet is great. Feedback on Coinbase Pay has been great. You know, a lot of um, some of the top wallets like MetaMask and Phantom actually has integrated Coinbase Pay and people who have used it have said it's great. A feedback on our L2 on-ramps has been great. Um, so I can yeah. keep giving more examples, yeah. but, you know, it's 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 a, <laughs> it will always be true that when you are a, a slightly larger company and you have a diversified portfolio, there are things that we will try that may not succeed. But overall, you know, we'll try many things and many will succeed as well. All right. So in a moment, we're going to talk about some products that people are eagerly anticipating. But first, a quick word from the sponsors who make this show possible. Join over 10 million people using Crypto.com, the easiest place to buy, earn, and spend over 150 cryptocurrencies. Spend your crypto anywhere using the Crypto.com Visa card. Get up to 8% cash back instantly, plus 100% rebates for your Netflix, Spotify, and Amazon Prime subscriptions. Download the Crypto.com app now and get $25 with the code LAURA. Link in the description. Is your Web3 experience hindered by inadequate crypto wallets and browser extensions? Ava Labs has created Core, a free, non-custodial browser extension engineered for Avalanche users to have a more seamless and secure Web3 experience. The best-in-class Avalanche Bridge now offers native support for the Bitcoin network. Put your Bitcoin to work in the robust DeFi ecosystem by bridging BTC to Avalanche today. With Core, you can also easily swap assets, display your NFTs in style, store your assets in a ledger-enabled wallet, and put real dollars into your crypto wallet in just a few clicks. Core is everything you need for a simple, secure, and convenient Web3 experience. Download the free Core browser extension from Google Chrome's App Store today. Back to my conversation with Surajit. The deal that Coinbase recently signed with BlackRock is something that had a lot of people uh, discussing. BlackRock is the largest asset manager in the world with $10 trillion in assets under management. It's also the parent company for iShares, which is the largest ETF provider globally. What is the vision for the types of products and services that you think will result from this partnership? Absolutely. Let me probably first give a little bit of context on the partnership itself. First, I think for this partnership to come together during the you know darkest kind of time of crypto winter is a testament of how far we have come as an industry uh, and as a company. So you know institutions are really thinking of crypto as an as a new asset class, and they are looking at Coinbase as the gold standard in the industry. So, you know, how, what does this entail? As you know, BlackRock is world's largest asset manager. They have over eight, eight and a half trillion dollars in, uh, under you know, management. And they have this platform called Aladdin, which is their portfolio management software. It provides 
their investment professionals a way to view and manage their investments on a daily basis. Now, Aladdin also has over 300 other large asset managers that use Aladdin. So they are bringing in another $22 trillion in, uh, in, in management. So that's the access we create. Now, what will, what's going to happen is Coinbase Prime is going to be integrated directly within Aladdin. So these asset managers now will, pro, uh, will, be, uh, will have access to crypto trading, custody, prime brokerage, all the reporting that prime provides right inside their regular workflow that they use day to day to manage all their other assets. So this is a, an incredible opportunity, I think, for, for the industry as a whole, because this unlocks and enables these this trillions of dollars of assets to eventually enter crypto and Web3. So that's what is exciting about this partnership. And, you know, we are, we've started working with BlackRock. By first half of 2023, we are going to start roll out the first phase of this partnership. So we'll start giving access to a lot of this functionality within Aladdin. And then, you know, we'll keep adding more and more functionality. We are going to start with Bitcoin first, but then also move to uh, make uh, all this functionality available for other assets. And what's your sense of how much demand is fueling this? Because last year, BlackRock CEO Larry Fink said he didn't see much institutional demand for crypto. And we've seen in the past, there have been times when there were these seemingly big partnerships that were announced with, for instance, retailers accepting crypto as payment. And eventually they didn't amount to anything meaningful. So, you know, what's your sense of just how much actual demand from institutions is driving this and will actually result in real money coming in? Absolutely. I mean, BlackRock will tell us and a lot of our institu- other institutional customers will tell us that their customers are asking them about crypto. That's why they're interested in talking to us. So we are seeing this demand, right, as a crypto as an asset class, uh, keep growing in, in, uh, amongst institutional investors. So, uh, and this deal has fueled even more, I would say, interest. So we are getting a lot of calls from other institutions who are interested, who are curious, and they want to understand more. So I think this is a great time for crypto to in- invite and welcome more institutional investors. So I'm, I'm very bullish on our institutional business, very bullish on what we can do to help these institutions get into crypto and not just buying, you know, I talked about this a little bit earlier, not just buying Bitcoin and lot, that's how many of them will start, but then, you know, get into lots of different types of coins, altcoins and so on, but also get into DeFi and Web3 and participate. We'll see that also happen in the future. And I'll mention one more thing here. A few months back, we announced this with uh, some of our actually industry partners, you know, other staking providers, a a new protocol called Alluvial Finance. So this basically Alluvial Finance provides liquid staking for enterprise-grade liquid staking as meant for institutions. So I think we'll see more and more of those infrastructure will get built by us, by other, other players in the industry as well. Like a version of staked ETH, but for institutional clients? Right, exactly. Okay. So speaking of staking, you recently announced that Coinbase would be adding Ethereum to its list of staking options for U.S. clients, U.S. institutional clients. And 
Obviously, at the moment, the market is expressing a lot of interest in trading Ether due to the upcoming merge. However, after the merge, if a majority of institutions decide to stake with Coinbase Prime, how do you prevent Coinbase from having the keys to the largest percentage of staked ETH and sort of centralizing it that way? Yeah, we are careful about that. We, you know, we we work with, of course, we have uh, with our uh, bicentrals acquisition with Coinbase Cloud. We we have our um, interest on validation validated infrastructure that Coinbase Cloud maintains. But we always make sure we are diversifying with uh, with other partners as well. And uh, that's been we have been very thoughtful about the risks customers have in, in staking, the risks that we carry for them. And that's kind of what has been a principle in how we offer this product. You know, you will see some of our competitors offer very high, for example, very high API and staking and so on. We deliberately don't do that because we want to make sure we can stick to our commitments when the asset prices swing like wildly, right? Same thing. So we are going to just be very diligent and make sure it's, it's sufficiently decentralized. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's always thinking about with the customer lens, how much risk we are, we are taking. So for the customer. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it just almost goes against your own self-interest. It's like, like you're, you know, I mean, if you're following what's happening with the other liquid uh, staking derivative providers, then there is sort of a tendency towards centralization. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about Coinbase Wallet because you've, you know, talked about it a lot. And I was wondering, are you monetizing that already? And, you know, whether or not you are, if a lot of trading volume were to move from the exchange to Coinbase Wallet, then how would that change your revenue and by how much? Yeah. Uh, so let, let me kind of talk about Coinbase, how we are monetizing Coinbase Wallet, since that's the essence of the question. So we are we charge a fee for DEX trading today through Coinbase Wallet. We we have connected with DEX aggregators similar to actually MetaMask and other wallets as well. They also charge a fee. We charge a fee. So that's why how we are we are monetizing Coinbase Wallet today. Now it's basically an access fee. And what would happen to your revenue if all the trading volume were to move from the centralized exchange over to Coinbase Wallet? Yeah, I'll not speculate on uh, eventualities and kind of specific numbers. So let let me kind of explain the user flow, right, a little bit. So today, you if you go to Coinbase main app, for many tokens, if you click on them, you'll already see that we are ask, telling the user, hey, this, this token is not available for trade on our main app because it's not listed in our centralized exchange or we cannot list it for other reasons but you can trade it in Coinbase Wallet. So we already have a connection from the main app to Coinbase Wallet. So we see some users, they will come to the main app then jump to the Coinbase Wallet and do trading. They also like the convenience of trading in the main app. So I don't think it's one or the other. Again, many users find the convenience of like a custodial experience and also a low fee experience in some way. See the, when you go to a DEX, Scenario, there's, it's not just the access fee, there's gas fees involved and so on. On Coinbase, you know, you don't, you're not paying those expensive gas fees because you are, it's a centralized exchange and we are in aggregate, uh, putting the, uh, writing the transactions in, onto on chain and so on. So there are use cases for both. 
And I think what will what we are going to see is some users will choose. So some users like the convenience of a custodial experience, uh, like the usability. Some users prefer the privacy or the the freedom to to manage their own keys, manage their own assets, the the security that it gives in their mind. They you know so they they are going to go to self custodial wallet or Coinbase wallets. We are building choices for our users. That's how I think about it. You know. And we'll see how the you know how user behavior changes over time. The last several months, Coinbase has been losing market share. In May, FTX surpassed Coinbase to become the second highest volume exchange worldwide. How does Coinbase compete with the likes of FTX, which is younger, nimbler, and perhaps perceived to be hipper? So first thing on market share, we are still the the biggest U.S. exchange right now. We have majority market share in the U.S. There are really three three reasons for the market share. One, you know, a lot of our retail traders in a declining market, they actually are hodlers. They don't trade as much. I think second, we have seen a lot of activity in offshore exchanges, uh, mostly on coins or tokens that we don't support. Again, for various reasons, we don't support many tokens because we don't think they are safe or they, they can they pass our kind of scrutiny on which tokens we should list. Number three is we haven't had the exposure to a lot of liquidity events that has happened in the industry that other exchanges had exposure to. You know, 3SE, Celsius, Voyager, Luna, Terra, Luna episode and all that. So in some interesting way that showed up as, as uh, more trading volume in, in other places. Now, to your question on how we think about competition and how do we think, uh, why do we think we, we, we will still win? First, I, I think competition is good. I talked about this. You know, it, it's, uh, I think the, the space for more competitor, uh, it just makes the industry better. It's healthy, more innovation, and so on. I think in terms of why we think we are in a good place, we think, the, you know, first, our focus on trust. Right? We want to be the most trusted option for customers, period. And that comes from our investment in security, preventing hacks, you know, um, compliance. And this is, this, is ex- this is a lot of investment for many years. You know, some of our competitors may not focus on it. It's also robust risk management, good customer support, basically like not being sketchy. <laughs> That's how I put it. <laughs> the the second point here is look we are really obsessed with how to make things simple for the customer and we want to eventually have a billion users accessing this new economy through our products and th- that means actually investing deep in technology it's not just about UI flow i talked a little bit about mpc wallet how it makes things simple it's a long sustained investment in technology, deep technology. You know, when we built the on-ramp, direct on-ramp to L2, it may seem simple, but it's very complicated, right? And it takes a lot of effort. So to the user, it seems super simple. Oh, I can just move directly to Polygon, right? I don't need to go through bridges and so on. So that's how we are thinking. How do we, create, how do we invest in technology to make things super simple? And the last thing I'll say, and this we again we talked about it a little bit earlier, our integrated product suite. So 
So if you are a Coinbase customer, if you have a Coinbase account, we try to make it simple and easy for you to access all our products and services. So it's not just buying and selling crypto, but you know, if you want to stake your crypto, if you want to send your crypto, receive crypto, if you want to use a uh, debit card uh, to pay someone, if you want to buy an NFT, if you want to participate in an O3 game or any other uh, interesting application, all of them you can do without leaving our platform with a single account. And we think providing customers this, this one-stop shop is, is, is a, going to be a powerful differentiator. And do you feel that because we're sort of in this crypto winter that who knows how long it will last, do you feel that you're having to focus on certain areas or do you still feel that you can kind of pursue all these directions at once? It's very important for us, for the industry as a whole, I think, to keep investing during crypto winter. If we just focus on, let's say, exchange or let's say crypto, like buying and selling, I think we'll miss the mark of the next phase of innovation in this market. So we are focused on building the tools, building through this winter and be ready for the next upcycle, next price cycle in crypto, where new use cases will come, new builders will come and so on. So I think our strategy is sound. Of course, our core business, you know, trading, we have invested heavily into, you know, making our exchange the best execution venue a prime broker, you know, the best, best prime brokerage out there, our retail trading, the, the simplest and most trusted trading venue. And we are adding more and more features to our core. But we, are, we also think we need to have one foot forward into the future and build for the future as well. And that's why we're investing in things like Coinbase Wallet, right? self-custodied wallet. That will be the gateway to Web3 in the future, we are investing in Coinbase Cloud that will help build the Web3 economy, build the Web3 ecosystem and help power. You know, picks, it's like the traditional probably picks and shovels strategy, right? You want to build the picks and shovels to help developers build their next billion dollar applications. And I think that is it's a sound strategy going through the crypto winter because this is the time to build. Okay. So a former Coinbase product manager was recently charged with insider trading of assets on Coinbase before they were listed. And CEO Brian Armstrong took credit for the investigation that led to identifying the suspects. But Jordan Fish, who's most widely known as Kobe on crypto Twitter, tweeted that actually he had been tweeting about the front running of coins about to be listed on Coinbase for months. And as he put it, I doubt Brian's claim that Coinbase actively monitors with any degree of competence. The front running lasted for over a year. Surely Coinbase should have found this before randoms on Twitter did. What's your response to that? We, we want to, of course, thank our, uh, you know, thank our friends on Twitter who are always monitoring and so on. But I, I think, you know, we cannot a priori disclose what, uh, you know, any investigation we have been doing. Like we, we have, we take this kind of behavior very seriously any type of illicit activity very seriously. So we have lots of monitoring. And in fact, we investigated this individual and we handed, uh, we cooperated with DOJ. In fact, DOJ actually thanked us for all the information that we gave, gave them. So, 
you know, this is speculation that uh, I would say at, at its best, but we are, we have take this seriously. We are focused on, we are monitoring, we have, we have safeguards, we are monitoring our internal, you know, any internal threats always. We are continuously improving our processes. So, but we cannot, for example, disclose uh, a priori any um, investigation that we may be doing, right? Because, you know, if that, that's damaging for an individual or sometimes it may compromise the investigation itself. That's all I have to say here. But I, I want to assure everyone, look, your, your assets are safe. We do not allow front running and we are going to take serious action if we find any hint of it anywhere. And in the same case, the SEC charged this product manager and uh, his two accomplices with insider trading. But in the charges, the SEC mentioned that nine of the assets on Coinbase were securities, but it didn't really give the reasoning for that. And since the case is against this former employee and his brother and his friend, is there any way for Coinbase to get involved or is there some other way that Coinbase can basically get the SEC to provide its reasoning as to why those coins are securities? Yeah, it's a great question, Laura. In fact, we think the current regulation, uh, you know, the Howey rule that everybody uses the Howey test to understand whether something is a utility or security is outdated. It was not written at a time when there was any any semblance of blockchain technology or even computers almost 100 years old now. So um, we would love to get more clarification and we, I, we think this is good for the industry as a whole. So we are working with SEC, trying to get more clarity on, on, on any asset. On our side, uh, every asset we list goes through a very rigorous process, a digital asset listing framework where you know, our legal team, compliance team, security team, they evaluate the asset, they apply the Howey test, and we reject a lot of assets, by the way. We, it's not like we, we list every asset that comes our way. We may not, we do not publish the assets we rejected because, you know, for other confidentiality reasons, but we reject many, many assets. And we are confident that the assets we have listed passes that test. In fact, uh, the digital asset uh, review framework that we have was actually reviewed by SEC. We, we reviewed that with SEC as well. So we would love to get this clarification for the whole industry and we'll work with SEC or any other regulator for that matter to get more clarity. So after this incident, Chief Legal Officer Paul Gruel published a blog post titled Coinbase does not list securities. End of story. I feel like that headline implies that Coinbase has the final say on whether any particular token is a security. Obviously, it doesn't. So why why was this uh, written in this way? Again, we maintain that to our knowledge, when we apply the the laws as we understand them, the uh, the regulation as we understand them. Uh, we do not list any securities. Right? We, we all our tokens are utility tokens, and that's the spirit in which this blog was written. But I, you know, I don't want to speculate specific wording in a blog and why the, the wording was there. But this captures our 
feelings or our message that look we we follow a process a process that was reviewed by SEC uh, to determine whether it a token is security or utility and we do not list securities so if there are there are clarifications and and clearer regulations will of course welcome it we have always welcomed clarity in regulation so if this kind of helps pave the way to get more clarity i think that will be great great for the whole industry we'll probably agree yeah well coinbase has obviously been doing a lot of work in this direction hasn't yielded much result not to blame you but um uh after this case why is it that Coinbase did not delist the nine coins named in the insider trading case, considering that Coinbase did delist Ripple's token after the SEC sued Ripple for XRP being an unregistered security? Yeah, I, it's it's the you know we I kind of said it before. We believe these are not securities, and that's why we did not see any reason to delist them at this time. if there are security tokens and we don't believe there are any security tokens on our platforms we delist tokens time to time from you know on our platform when we see uh, safety issues for our customer for example and other challenges so there are you know this decisions are taken very thoughtfully we have this digital asset listing group that convenes and and looks at all aspects of a token to big figure out whether to list or delist so i can't comment on specific decisions because it's it's also been a while back but for the nine tokens we don't believe they are security tokens that's why we have listed them so to go back to some of the uh questions i was asking you about competition with other exchanges here we are talking about regulation one of your other major competitors is binance which at least in the short term appears to be playing some kind of regulatory arbitrage game and coinbase obviously has a very different image but in that situation how does coinbase compete with the likes of binance when it may be playing faster and looser with the rules look everyone has their uh, kind of own principles or own strategy right uh, we believe our strategy is sound we lean into regulation we want to be the most trusted crypto platform in the world and we are seeing it's paying off for example if we talk to institutional customers they will tell us they will not even talk to many of our competitors they want to only work with us and that's because of our commitment to trust uh, compliance uh, security over the years and how we lean into regulation right so there are i would say there are advantages and disadvantages we have chosen this path and we strongly believe that for the longer term this is the right thing to do for the users and our users also expect coinbase to act in in a in a trusted manner we have a different user base as you can imagine right and this is why we have been able to attract a lot of mainstream users we have over 100 million users in, in fact our verified users actually tripled in the last 2 years um and, and we think we can onboard even more users uh to crypto and web3 because of our uh, stance on trust uh and security and compliance so on another front coinbase also faces competition from decentralized exchanges such as uniswap 
I've noticed that since the beginning of the year, trading volume on Uniswap has only been slightly below the volume on Coinbase. How do you compete against a site where developers can list tokens themselves and there's bound to be this longer tail of assets available? Yeah, we actually, uh, great question. Uh, we love decentralized exchanges. We love the innovation that's happening in, in the DeFi world. I talked about this a little bit. The way we think about it is how we give our users more choice. And this is manifesting in the product, right? It's not just lip service. So if you go to our Coinbase main app, you can buy all our listed tokens on our exchange that goes through our process. You can also find tokens that you can buy through Coinbase wallet or you can buy through a DEX directly with the new DAP wallet that we integrated into our main app. So as you can see, we think of this as a, uh, not a zero sum game. We think this, this just helps grow the entire pie, brings more users, gives them more choice. So again, in Coinbase wallet, we have integrated with DEXs. So we have very good relationship with all the DEXs out there. And we think it's good for our users to have more access and more choice. So that's how we think about it. The uh, Where we play is how we make it simple and easy for our users to access all this innovation that's happening. And that's where the focus has been. So your earnings report just came out and Coinbase's average transaction revenue per user is down. It's projected to be in the low $20 range this year down from $64 per user last year. What are your plans for boosting this number? Yeah, so as I said before, look, in a crypto winter, typically retail users, they reduce their trading activity, they become more hodlers, but they participate in other activities. So they are participating in, for example, staking and a lot of other features. In fact, two-thirds of our users are doing something other than trading today. Right. And staking being the big part of that. One idea or, or, or a strategic direction that we have been following for some time is how do we keep growing our subscription, what we call subscription and services revenue or non-trading revenue. And if you look at last two years, it has grown from being 4% of our total revenue to 18% almost today. Right. And it, it continues to grow. That's, so that's one. Continue to grow these other sources of revenue beyond trading. We are also experimenting with a a new product called Coinbase One. We talked about that in our um, shareholder later, uh, if you have been watching us. So this is a product that's a a subscription product, monthly flat fee. It allows you to get unlimited trading without a fee. The spread is still charged. uh, We... We give you 24-7 customer service. So, you know, someone will pick up the phone when you call. If you are a subscriber immediately, like it gives you many other additional benefits across our platform, right? And we keep adding more sources of value. We are seeing a lot of traction for Coinbase One. Again, very early days. This is, uh, we have not made a lot of hype about the product. We have not done any marketing any PR, but organically the product has grown and showing showing a lot of growth, strong growth. And we are seeing incrementality from the product. So as users come in, as they move into Coinbase One, we are seeing they're more engaged with our platform, not just with trading, but all the other features that that we have embedded in our platform. We talked about the integrated product suite strategy. So that's another way we are 
seeing how we grow our revenue irrespective kind of decouple it from the volatility in the market in the longer run all right final question what do you worry about at night what do i worry about um there are a lot of things to worry about i think uh i think high level look at for the industry i think regulatory clarity will be great so that's that's the first worry the uber like macro worry i have and i think that uh, you know the uh, today we don't even know who ha- who is the right authority with oversight is it sec the cftc so there's some confusion of course cftc regulates a lot of what we do but sec some, uh, has has questions and and so on so that will be good for the industry i think it's also you know harmonization of uh, regulation internationally will be useful in a lot of countries are thinking about you know how to uh do KYC for send receive how to do KYC for self hosted wallets and so a lot of ideas are coming up from regulators some of those ideas are probably not even actionable in in some way so getting some clarity and some harmony globally will be useful i think stable coins is another one i think you know not all stable coins are made same so uh, <laughs> regulators need to probably understand kind of the the how the mechanics of which stable coin is 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 made how actually i do have a question for you about that there is this lawsuit against coinbase for failing to educate customers on the differences of terra versus other stable coins in the lawsuit they allege that coinbase did not disclose that it was this algorithmic stable coin that it was not backed by reserves so can you talk a little bit about what happened there I unfortunately Laura I cannot comment on an ongoing lawsuit. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to ask because you you Absolutely. mentioned this. but I I cannot offer a comment on uh you know those are high level kind of just the regulatory clarity and uh, would be useful. I think the other to be going back to your question what I worry about. I think the you know bankruptcies and security hacks that we have been seeing in the industry it just does not uh, bode well for the reputation of the industry as a whole right we have never been hacked we really focus uh, on security and we invest in it but i worry about like overall the industry kind of went little fast and loose a lot of people tried a lot of different things and probably not enough time was spent in thinking about security and that's gives a bad reputation to the whole industry i'm hopeful that we will get through this and there are no other bad incidents out there but <laughs> every morning i'm like i almost like scared okay i hope there's no bad news about the industry no new nomad or no new celsius or right those are couple of big ways. <laughs> yes, somebody tweeted that my newsletter had the word hack or something in it like hundreds of times. So, you know, it was definitely something other people have noticed, not just you. Where can people learn more about you and your work? Maybe uh Twitter. <laughs> I tweet out a little bit. I I tweet out every like I do a monthly product launch tweet storm. So if you follow me you'll see every month like first of every month I kind of tweet out every, all the highlights from what we and launched. And the handle is uh, surchat.it. 
or Surajit. Surajit will work. Surajit at Twitter. What else? Learning about me, I, I think, you know, if you learn about my products, that's probably good. You can, people can reach out to me and I talk to a lot of folks in the community. Uh, I'm actually learning from others all the time. So, you know, this was a great conversation. Uh, I think there's so much more to learn in, in this in crypto industry. And we're still very, very early. And we have a lot of stuff to build, right? Uh, let's, let us all work together, not kind of, sometimes I see a little bit fighting with each other and pulling each other down. That's Or a lot. <laughs> some, some, right? But, you know, we are still a small community. So I think the community can need to come together and need to make crypto a safer place for all users. We have a, I think we have a responsibility to in, innovate the next big use cases. That's kind of my dream. You didn't ask me that, but I want to, my dream is how can we uh, create a, a, a utility use cases for crypto, like where people you know, come on a daily basis. I talked about the toothbrush test uh, and use something that is powered by crypto. I, I think that's when we will basically arrive as an industry. All right. Well, we'll see how that plays out over the next few years. Thanks so much for coming on Unchained. Thank you so much, Laura. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much for joining us today. To learn more about Surajit and Coinbase, check out the show notes for this episode. Unchained is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Anthony Yoon, Matt Pilchard, Juan Aranovich, Pam Majimdar, Shashank, and CLK Transcription. Thanks for listening. 